Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Prime Video and the new film My Policeman starring Harry Styles. My Policeman is streaming now on Prime Video. Kia ora everyone, welcome back to your, what is it Liv? Bonafide favourite pop culture podcast or is it just podcast? What? Oh, oh, I don't know if we're oh. people's bonafide favourite podcasts <laughs> as a whole. I know that might be too much of an umbrella term. Let us know if we are, everyone, everyone that's listening to their bonafide favourite pop culture podcast. Um, Liv and I are back in the studio it's been a few weeks. It's been a week. It has. Lucy's looking extremely sun-kissed. She's glowing, maybe from the vomiting that happened. Oh, God. Should we Bally just belly. Should we jump straight into what describes our week? I think so. Um, okay, well, I'm just going to take it away because mine is Instagram versus reality. Ooh. This is because, for those of you who don't know, most of you probably do because you follow us elsewhere, Rubes and I went to Bali to cover Instagram's creator week which was like the most like amazing slash cooked thing Mm. we've ever been to I mean and I don't think I will ever see an event like that again I'm actually about to do a wrap up on the shit show of the event oh so you because I was gonna say could you walk me through it a little bit or that'll be on the shit show or you can go and read I wrote a newsletter just all about it but like think meta branded coconuts meta branded cheesecake but then also the most amazing like these weren't influencers these were actual like creatives videographers dancers like just people that are really fucking into their craft there were drones flying around it wasn't anyone that does like product placement. This is always the case. The actual people are fucking yes. great, right? Like what and they're highlighting is amazing, but then the fucking events are, are sometimes seem um a bit out of touch. Yes, out of touch. Yeah. Wasteful. Yes. No. This one um didn't feel that wasteful was one thing I noticed. Okay, that's good. Um and also again, you can think what you want about like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever, but the people actually, you know, lower down in the companies are just people like us that genuinely love these creators. And obviously there was not much mention of TikTok and everything was about reels and like NFTs and metaverse and like all that kind of jargony stuff. But when you boil it down to the point of this week, which was to show the creators that they love them, fuck, like they did a good job. Um, So Ruby and I were at that and it was like an amazing time, an amazing experience. I did... Um, drink some of the water when I was brushing my teeth at one point. And I'd been joking to Ruby about how I've never had food poisoning and I've got an iron gut, blah, blah, blah. The day after all the work got done, thank God, um, I got barley belly, like, real bad for, like, half a day. Woke up, wrote the morning newsletter, started to feel a little bit random, but then was sort of fine because... I feel like, again, 
Distraction for me? Oh, <laughs> I don't know how. Like, if I'm sick, I'm sick. Like, if I'm feeling shit, I'm feeling shit. Yeah. I'm telling everyone I'm feeling yeah. shit. I'm going to bed, whatever. Lucy is just like, push through, push through, push through, push through. Vomits on the fucking floor of the hotel lobby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I did that, and then and then I and then Ruby and I went to this beach club called Mississippi, and then we lay on the beach. Oh, that's quite good. Yeah. And oh, we lay by the pool, and I had a drink, and I told Ruby I was feeling sore tummy, and I didn't eat sore tummy. Sore tummy, and well, I ate a little bit, and then Ruby. I, and then I left it because I was feeling a bit sick and then got back. We checked out of our hotel, got in the car to the new hotel or to the new villa. It dropped us off and then we had to walk for like five minutes in the sun because it dropped us in the wrong place, dragging my heavy suitcase, feeling oh. sick. Gave my suitcase to Ruby because I was too weak to like lift it up the Dehydration station. Yeah. Got into the new villa. These two gorgeous men were like helping us and I just go – bathroom and then he couldn't hear what I said and then Ruby was like where's the bathroom and as she was saying that vomited once all over the floor vomited again and then ran you know when you can't say anything you're feeling that sick ran to the bathroom vomited again a few times sorry puke warning and um and then I was started pissing myself because I was like holy fuck that's I can't believe I've just done that like, this out. is a story can't wait to write about it literally went out yelled I'm sorry to everyone yelled it like no, I was literally like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh my god, I'm like it's fine, it's fine. And then just like apologizing. Oh, like obviously you did vomit in a public place, yeah. but like apologizing for just being a burden. And then went went into the new villa, thought I was fine. Said to Ruby, I feel amazing. One and done, one and done. Lay down on the bed for a few hours. Got back up, vomited my ring out again. And then me and Ruby, because this villa was a little bit out of the way, and I started mm. getting a bit scared. I have a bit of a thing with like traveling overseas and hospitals and past experiences. And I was just like to Ruby, I can't actually be that far from a hospital just yeah, in case. So fair. And and we were quite far. And Ruby was like 100%. Rebooked our old, old hotel where the, where the people that um, run it were just so nice to mm-hmm. us, looked after us like we were family. We were like, we just have to get back here. We just felt safe. Felt safe. Got out of the taxi to this new hotel, ran straight to the whole hotel lobby, vomited again. <laughs> Oh, and the toilets this time actually. <laughs> and then this is honestly like something from a chick flick. No, it was like, like bridesmaids the where she's vomited. Yeah. No. Yes, it was so bad. And then like in the back of my head was I really didn't want to ruin Ruby's trip. And Ruby didn't give a shit. Ruby was so cute when and got me all the shit I needed. And then the next day I was just like a bit dead to the world, but no more vomiting. And then rehabilitated and. <laughs> Went and we went on ATVs and Ruby rolled her these are four wheelers. Ruby rolled her ATV. That's scary. Yeah, it was actually scary. It was like really low health and safety, but so fun. Helmets. Helmets. Yeah. But like no lessons on how to ride. <laughs> like you're going through caves, you're going through rivers, you're going over mud. And then just like and me and Ruby had a couple's massage where we were just both naked together, like getting rubbed down, making eye contact, pissing ourselves. Like it was Honestly, the most chaotic but the best holiday. It was madness. It was like yeah. Instagram here, reality, like fucking other Fucking hell. Right like every day sounds like so different. Yeah. And I can imagine Ruby on the ATV just being like shit scared. She already didn't want to do it and but I made her. She, yeah. Oh, no, I like she was going to come on feeling. it with me and then I was like, yeah. sure you don't want your own? She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go on my own. And then it was so scary. Like even yeah. I, and I don't get that scared about this stuff, mm-hmm. so scared. Oh, I would have been terrified. But it was amazing 
So anyway, you opted out of Bali for fear that it was going to be like all the other sort of events we've been to. So everyone wondering why Liv didn't come. She was invited, but you girl had other priorities. Honestly, and everyone's been asking me, like everyone – you know, around work and stuff, like, why aren't you in Bali with the girls? Like, what the fuck? And in hindsight, you probably should have come. Yeah. (laughs) Well, in hindsight, seeing as I got fucking sick again, yes, I probably should have come. But, no, I was was happy with my decision. It's just that I think a lot of people are like, what the fuck? Like, why would you do that? But in my head, it just made sense. Like, I'm just not big on that side of our job. Like, we're in the media and – for me, like, I really like some parts of the media. They really don't like other parts of the media. And I think often we get, you know, invited to events and stuff, and it's just not my thing. Yeah. Like, I just get a bit overwhelmed. And honestly, events kind of suck, and you get given tote bags and all this shit that you yeah, don't need and, and the you planet just have doesn't like need. internal ethical dilemmas. Yeah. And, like, I'm a really, like... <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know how to describe myself. Morally righteous. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and I think about that shit a lot and I think about why I'm doing things and whatever. And so this for me just was like, oh, probably not my thing. And we just come. will thrive. Yeah. And I don't think I would like really help this situation except for make it a really fucking cynical thing that no one needs. So (laughs) She was very (laughs) self-aware about it. But then Rubes and I were over there like, we thought it was going to be more event heavy than it was. Like none of us knew. What it no, was gonna and, be no like. and that's the thing, totally. Um, but Liv, so your week? My week. I got fucking strep throat again. <laughs> just, yeah, just fucking hell. Every time I come on here, anyway, mm. fucking razors in my throat. Like Still? Much better now, yeah. much better, but to the point where, like, you can't sleep and, like, oh. you can't swallow and <sighs> just, like, you just know help. the feeling. Everyone yes. knows it. Anyway, that was okay. I'm kind of through that. Went to... Chris Parker and Eli Matthewson's like porn night, yep. like comedy porn night. So this was about ethical porn. They were basically two New Zealand comedians doing this. It wasn't even like a stand-up show really. It was more like a presentation of their findings because they're making a YouTube series mm-hmm. with the spinoff who we work with. And it was all about like where you should get your porn from and how unethical like Pornhub and things are. So that was really interesting. Where should you get it? You should basically either go to like OnlyFans. You should oh, yeah. basically just pay for your porn. Yeah. So there's a lot of independent porn makers. Just out like there. paying for the media you love. Yeah. Pay the people directly to make the porn you love. It's exactly the same thing. It's like how, you know, we try not to stream movies illegally and things like that. It's the exact same thing with porn, like Pornhub is making a whole lot of money off of pirated shit. Oh, hell yeah. And there's just a whole lot of problems. So they go in and they try and figure out, like, what we can do and how we can watch porn and not feel kind of gross about it. Yeah. So that was really cool. And, yeah, honestly, my week was a whole lot of just dabbling in the work era and then sleeping. Which was good because that's exactly what Rubes and I were doing too. Dabbling and then fucking off. Yeah, literally. But different yeah. because I was fucking off to be sick in Bali and you were being <laughs> sick was, in New Zealand. Being sick in New Zealand, so barely left the house to be honest. Honestly, but Liv and I are often like, uh, like we do things at the same, well, no. Yeah, we're, I, we're usually yo-yoing, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, and I feel like we probably yo-yoed, you were fine, I was sick, I was fine, you were sick, yeah. or you stayed sick the whole time, but it doesn't like, surprise me that we both in separate parts. Ruby's pos- always just pretty solid. Yeah, Ruby's just a legend, kind Ooh. of. Ooh. Yeah. 
And she looked after me really well, which was really mm. cute. But I hate being, you know, I struggle being looked after. Oh, I can imagine you would have just been like, don't look at me in my no, vulnerable I, state. I was honestly just like, oh, I don't want to be a fucking burden. She's like, you're yeah. not. You're actually vomiting up everything. Like, let me help. And it like becomes more of a burden when you can't help the person because you're like, well, yeah, fuck you then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, the co-papa of today that we're going to get to after a naughty or nice, and just a warning, it's going to be nice because I'm not in the mood to talk about something naughty at the moment, um, is Selena Gomez's documentary, which Rubes and I watched in Bali, and then basically I was like, Liv, you need to watch this because we need to talk about this because you feel weird after finishing it, right? Oh, you feel really weird. It wasn't really what I was expecting. Was it what you were expecting? No, it was – we're going to get to it in a bit, but it, I have – some random thoughts and mm. feelings about it. But first of all, naughty or nice, Phoebe Bridges and Paul Meskel are reportedly engaged. I thought they were already engaged. Same. And so I think the reason that this is in the headlines now is because there was an interview in The Guardian that confirmed it. Like, uh, Paul, uh, neither of them confirmed it themselves, but The Guardian was like, blah, 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 who is engaged to Phoebe, you know? Got so you, whereas before it was kind of like rumoured to be engaged. Yeah. yeah, and the only reason I wanted to talk about this, even though we already have known it, mm-hmm. is because, you know, Taylor Swift's song Mastermind about how, like, what if I told you none of it was accidental? That bit. Um, because this, like, happened in the public sphere. So, first of all, Paul at one point had tweeted out his um, Spotify wrapped and Phoebe Bridges was at the top of it. So that's happening over here. Then Phoebe Bridges has watched Normal People and tweeted about how hot Paul Meskel is. And then he was like, oh, my God, dead. And then she was like, no, don't die. You're too talented or something. Ha ha. Like, you know, that classic. Yeah, that little bit of flirtatious. Yeah. And so there was flirtation going on on the web. And then they got on an Instagram live together and just, like, answered some questions and was sort of cute and flirty. Again, they weren't dating. And now it's, like, evolved to the point where either Phoebe or Paul were the mastermind and, like, they made this happen, like, over social media and then it's real life. And yeah, it's like they cute. just both came for each other yeah. in, like, the best way possible. I remember watching a interview with – I remember watching an interview <laughs> – was really bad grammar. I remember watching an interview with Paul Meskel like around the normal people era when you know you're just like fucking obsessed. Oh, and <laughs> is that still going? Still deep. Still Ruby deep. would look over at me by the pool. I'd be watching Maddie healing videos. Oh, I've been listening to what's that song that you love it if we made it. Oh, so like the best song good. ever written. No, I've been trying to show everyone I know. Yeah, so I'm like, you need to listen to this song. They're like, I don't. So when they took it off our fucking set list for the band, I was like, Have you listened to this song? Did they take it off the yeah, set list? When I looked at the set list, not there. Excuse me, moi. We need to be yelling that anyway. Anyway, um, back to Paul Meskel. So I was watching him like in an interview, and he was asked like what's your soundtrack for the summer or like something like that. Like, or like, what's the artist of your, like something big, Phoebe Bridges. And then I was like, "Mm." I know. And like on this Spotify, like um, rap that he tweeted out, it was like his top genre was folk pop and Lord was on it and Phoebe Bridges and Dermot Kennedy. And I was just like, Paul, you're actually so cute. He seems like that sort of guy. I know. So anyway, that's nice because, um, I don't really want to talk about anything that not nice because the second half of this conversation about the Selena Gomez documentary might not be that uplifting. 
Yeah. But that's not our jobs to be uplifting all the time. No. Anyway, we're going to get into that chat right after we hear from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Liv, I actually can't even put into words how fucking cool and blessed we are to be able to be working with Prime Video on the release of My Policeman. Oh my god, I know, Luce. Honestly, anytime we get to do a partnership that relates to Harry Styles is honestly a dream. And actually not to mention that My Policeman kind of slayed. I reckon one of the cool or like buzzy things about this movie, which I didn't actually know going into it, is that it's a film that's been adapted from a novel which was inspired by the famous menage a trois between the novelist E.M. Forster, Forster's policeman lover Bob Buckingham, and Bob's wife May. The more you know. Honestly, Bob Buckingham, what a fucking Bob Buckingham. iconic name. But they had a real life menage a trois. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I didn't know that, Luz. I really loved it because it's kind of about a forbidden love between Tom, who's Harry, Marion, who's played by Emma Corrin, who was fucking fantastic and Patrick played by David Dawson also so so good I know he was incredible and it was tragic and beautiful all at once and a story that I haven't seen on film very much which I always love I love it when it's a complex love story yes and I I thought honestly I thought the performances like you said were actually incredible like I like genuinely loved it so much that I kind of want to watch it again already thankfully we can You can too, everyone, and live, because it's streaming now on Prime Video. It is, Luce, and please let us know your thoughts, because we would love to hear them. Okay, I'm really excited to get into Selena Gomez and My Mind and Me. Is that what what it's called, eh? My Mind and Me. It is. I'm really excited too. I watched this yesterday morning. It's fresh. Yeah, so fresh in my mind. Honestly... It kind of depressed me. Same. It really, really was that type of documentary where you're watching it and you're not sure if the person's out of the struggle. Oh, she absolutely is not out of the struggle. It's very similar to like a Demi Lovato documentary. Yeah. And you're kind of wondering who is actually behind this documentary. It just feels like PR is so interwoven into both like Selena's documentary that we watched and Demi Lovato's documentary and you're kind of like just wondering whose voice we're actually listening to. Yeah, and I thought obviously it's Selena's story to tell and she would have probably felt really relieved to have gotten all of her past experiences with mental health in the open so that it's like setting setting the record straight for her. But it's back to that, like it kind of takes me back to the Kanye chat that we had And it's like, how far out of your recovery should you be before you... Obviously, you can tell your story at any time, but when are you in your right mind to be telling it? And when is it helpful for the viewers and the listeners? Absolutely. It's like, when are you no longer 
too vulnerable to be telling this story that it can be warped by other people. Yeah, or painful for you. Like I'm sure seeing some of the reviews or some of the online criticism about her friends and things like that, just it can't be that helpful to your recovery. I agree, Luce. I think before we kind of really dive into it, we should just go into a little bit about what the documentary is about for those who haven't seen it. So... This documentary was actually first meant to follow her revival tour in Mm. 2016 and then throughout kind of then turned into a more personal look into her mental health state because of everything that was going on at the time. So that first image of her in 2016, like backstage of the tour, like when she's like crying about it, looking shit and feeling shit and then like the guy that she's signed to comes in and she's like, I'm so sorry, like, I don't want to embarrass you. And then he's like, no, we were loving it. We were rocking out. And then everyone around her is just, like, gassing her the fuck up. And and not really being, like, not so much at this point of the film because obviously she was having an incredible moment of self-doubt and they mm-hmm. needed to be there because mm-hmm. the tour was the next day. Totally. And they needed to be there helping her. But... Like, I feel like in so many scenes, no one validated her feelings. If oh, No one was valid. They were gaslighting her almost. She did not have a legit conversation with anyone the entire documentary. And she was trying to. This is not, like, love Selena and love her for doing this. 100%. This is what I took from the documentary is that Selena is obviously a lovely person who's trying to do a good thing, right? But she's so warped in this pop star realm where everyone around her is either a yes man it's weird it's like they're yes men but they're also controlling her at the same time and she was being really self-aware like for someone that had had a psychotic break Mm -hmm. gone to therapy come back gone back on tour or gone back into the promo of things she was being incredibly self-aware and incredibly honest about how she felt doing the press and how she didn't want to go to parties and like she needed her rest and she was being told that like she was taking a job for granted or like she was not being validated whatsoever. I couldn't, I was like, no, Selena, you are right. You actual fucking legend. You deserve to decide when you do promo and decide when you like, it's almost like she was being held hostage or something. I was like, who are you owing money to that you keep putting yourself on these promo tours and shit? Like, why are you doing this? And then coming and then feeling so shit about the questions she was being asked and feeling like she said that she felt like a product. Yeah. And she, she was right. She was. She This whole documentary showed how much of a product Selena Gomez is and how much of a product her music is is and how the people behind the show are running the thing and yeah gaslighting her into being this like all-american girl that is so interwoven into her identity that that's who she thinks she is like she by the end of the documentary was obviously not out of it at all because she's still trying to be this perfect like yes. all-american girl and so basically the documentary follows her and this revival tour And then we see her kind of mental health decline. And she has, as Lucy referenced before, a psychotic episode in 2018 and checks into a mental health institution where she gets a lot better. But yeah, basically with like psychosis, which she was experiencing, you don't know when someone's going to come out of it, if they're going to come out of it. So that was obviously really fucking terrifying for her and the people that cared about her. 
And then she, but then she comes straight back into the celebrity realm doing the same shit and is obviously pretty depressed. Yeah. And she got a bipolar diagnosis when she was in this um, mental institution. And it's like, they, I felt like the whole time that was what they were attributing her bad mental health to. But anyone who watches it, like mental health is so affected by your environment. She's fucking depressed because she's a monkey in a cage. Yeah. Like being someone that she can't possibly be, being held to a standard that she can't possibly get to. And you can see you can see it right from the first moment of the documentary, like we said, when she didn't really care about or it wasn't that she was caring about it looking shit and her sounding shit and everything for her own personal well-being. Mm-hmm. She was worried about disappointing the label. And that comes from her being on Barney and Friends since she was such a young from such a young age and always being like oh, I need to impress people to get my next job and I need to impress people so that, like, they'll love me and they'll keep me, like, employed and keep being my fans. And it's like it's never once been for her. No, and then so how do you develop your own personality, your own identity in that environment? And then, you like, it's not like she had five years to go away, go live a normal life, have normal interactions with normal people and actually see who she is in life. She's always been controlled by the management of these companies. Yeah. And and even if it is a little bit in her head, I mean, I'm sure there is so much box ticking and so much pressure on her, but no matter how much reassurance I feel like she gets from the people that, like, you don't have to do this or you're doing well or, or whatever it is, she, I think, as maybe as part of her coping mechanism or as part of her mental health sort of decline, has adopted this just really, really standard, I am never good enough, mm-hmm. like, for anyone mentality. But then it's not helped by the people she's surrounded by who are basically like, yeah. Yeah. Well, not They're oh. not explicitly saying yeah, but it's like, sorry, she has a lupus. She's, like, literally can't open bottles of water in some of the clips. And... Where is the support support? Oh, my God. Like, the, that friend that she's obviously hired to yeah. be part of her entourage. I don't know whether she's being managed by her friend or her friend's looking after her calendar. Like, I yeah. don't know what it is. But that is obviously a relationship that doesn't seem to be working from what we see in the documentary. Because, Raquel? Yeah. yeah it's, and that's been one of... And I don't think this is a good thing, but this is the internet. But that's when one of the biggest takeaways that I've seen is people being like, she is not a very supportive friend. Which I think is like oversimplifying the whole thing. Because I think, like us, a lot of people will watch this and feel really uncomfortable about the whole thing. And it's easy to pinpoint that friend because that's the one like tangible thing in the documentary where you're like, she's not supportive. She seems to be like pushing Selena to like do all of this shit she doesn't want to do, whatever. But I think that friend just stands for the industry as a whole and the way that it works and the way that these, you know, people with the talent that's being exploited, which I think is being exploited yeah. in Selena's case, um, you know, they're there, but they're controlled by other people. And, and I, do yeah. you feel like the overarching, or for me, the overarching theme was just like, 
why can't people in general quit while they're ahead? Yeah. Why can you not, and it's like, you know, it's a fucking tale as old as time, but why can't you just be the celebrity, be famous, and then when it starts to ruin you, which it has done for Selena, why can't you just go and drop it all? You have all the money. You have everything to set you up for a life on a ranch somewhere Mm. doing something. It's interesting because there's that point in the documentary where she literally says that and she's like, why can't I be a normal person? Like, sometimes I just want to quit and go and live life like everyone else is living their lives. But then she's like, but I feel like God has given me this platform and this purpose and because she's obviously quite religious. Yeah. Um, and she feels like she can help so many people by being where she is. But, but would it help people more if she was like, let me be really honest about this industry and now, like, this is everything that I need to say right now. Watch me go. Oh, Watch me go and get better. Absolutely. And I think the whole, like, this is a cynical take. Yeah. But I think the whole, oh, I want to use this platform to help people is a bit of like a, that's the fairy tale that we've been told about celebrity. And, like, celebrity is a really fucked up concept. Yeah. And it you don't know that many celebrities that are actually thriving under celebrity unless they have the boundaries in place to keep their personal lives for themselves. Like it's not a good system that we're in for really either the audience or the star. And that's what we really see in Selena's case. But we are told that this is the peak of life. This is what everyone's aiming for. And so for her to give up that celebrity status She's never not been a celebrity. Mm. She's been a child star from the get-go, from like seven or whatever, yeah. and she was on Bunny and, and Friends. And she knew, I feel like she knew a bit of a struggle before that because her mum yeah. had her when she was really young. Her yeah. mum talks about going to the dollar store to buy spaghetti so that they can eat. So she has that, you know, when you're young and everything's so scary and big. And so totally. she has, her idea of not being a celebrity is really scary and it's really hard. really, really scary and like... Why would she give that up when... It wouldn't even be... It'd be giving up, though... I mean, it's so much easier said than done, but it'd be giving up the parts she doesn't like. It's not like she would lose all her money, which is why I'm like, why are you doing this? No, absolutely. And, like, me and you know that because we live pretty regular lives and we love it. And we know that celebrity can just fuck things up. But, yeah, for her, it's like always been this Mm. big shot celebrity like who would I be because her identity is Mm. totally interwoven into celebrity and into the American ideal yeah and yeah to give that up for her must be fucking terrifying but we know as regular people that that's so worth it and like watching her life is just fucking depressing moving around from hotel to hotel being around people that either are just gassing you up or manipulating you and she knows that something's really fucking off. Yeah. But she can't, like, grasp it because she probably hasn't had, like, that actual wholesome life before. Yeah. And it was really sad. Just, like, the whole time I was saying to Ruby, she just sounds so numb. Yeah. There is no variance in her voice. And, and we should say that this documentary goes until, I think, 2020. And so since then she's 
really leaned into rare beauty and only murders in the building and being an executive producer on that. And I wonder if that has really filled her cup more. And given her purpose. And obviously she's really, really striving for purpose with the like, charity work yes. that she was doing. And yeah, that's great. But I feel like the charity work and celebrity intersection is a very interesting yes. one that I feel like is often subconsciously for personal I don't know how to say this but it's like oh it is it's one way of trying to make yourself feel better it's making yourself feel better because you know of your huge privilege and you want to give back and like that's cool but it's just a strange realm to be in and this white saviorism and this whole like I come in and I hug you all and you're all obsessed with me like it's just a strange thing and I haven't really I haven't really honed my thoughts, but I would. It's actually something that I'd like to look into later on. Is yeah. This, is this whole like intersection that she really brings up in this documentary? Because it's better to do something than not do anything, is yeah. what I always come to on this. But Absolutely. At the end of the day, money is actually the most tangible thing you can do for an actual community, like when she's going to Kenya and speaking to the kids that couldn't go to school without her investing the money into the school. And awareness is obviously great. She wants to have a curriculum about mental health in schools. And, again, I actually don't want to, like, shit on that because it's necessary and it's needed and at least she's doing something. But, like... When the, when the whole, I mean, we always come back to this. When the whole fucking system is broken, no matter how much awareness you create for a thing, unless everything changes, it's mm. kind of just like more shouting into the void. Yeah, I agree. And Luce, what did you think of the depiction of mental health in this film or mental illness? I thought it looked like something you go through, you go to rehab and then like, you sort of get over or you get given medication. And then you go and speak about it. Yeah. And then you tell everyone how you've yeah this thing. And, like, you are allowed to do that and we need people to do that because otherwise no one talks about it. But the whole documentary just left me feeling really weird. Same. I. It's because I don't think she's, like, I mean, who am I to say this? But it's like when Demi Lovato was making all those documentaries about being sober and then she came out afterwards and was like, I wasn't actually sober or I wasn't ready to do that or I was still struggling with this. And I just wonder if in a few years' time, Selena will look back and be like, I was not ready to be making judgments on something as huge as all of that. I totally agree. And I think, and this isn't against Selena, I think this is more against whoever actually put together the documentary but a lot of it felt really theatrical in regards to the mental health and like I don't like to say that because we're all for expressing when you feel shit but it was just like the way it was scripted and the way it was put on screen in terms of those like handwritten yeah. elements with like her looking sexy in a bath it just gave me real tumblr vibes mm. with like the whole depression and I think they really like glazed over the psychosis part of it yeah and the interviews with the friends were so strange about that being like yeah so one day she just said like I wanted to die or like whatever it was and it was just so like 
oh, it was just out of the blue. It's like, that doesn't happen. Like, out of the blue. Out of the blue. This isn't something that she's just like woken up one day and her brain's gone wrong. Yeah. Like that's how it really was put to me. It's like, no, this whole celebrity ecosystem that she's in, that you're part of you, these friends. Yeah. Like that you're like, how can you not see what's happening to her? And this is the effect of it. Don't act like mental health is this thing that like or mental illness is this thing that just pops up out pops of nowhere. Up, like doesn't exist in a vacuum, Dal. No, and it was just such a strange representation of it. I couldn't relate to that side of it at all. No, I thought that, and and like the bits that were good, I think, were when she was talking about how awful she'd been to her family, and them realize them telling her, "We know that wasn't you." Yeah. Um, and her feeling really bad and remorseful, and you know the few clips we got of her. Yeah. Reacting to herself yeah. were good. That felt more authentic. It was the scripted bits that she, oh, when yeah. she was talking, just felt like it just felt so Americanized in that way that we want this to seem sugary and packaged and, and packaged and all of that, which is literally not what mental illness is in any way, shape or form. And what I found really interesting is when I was reading articles about this documentary, they were all saying how raw and vulnerable it was. I did not feel like this documentary was raw or vulnerable to an extent. I I think it was vulnerable. Raw means that something hasn't really been touched, packaged, edited. Yeah. Not the case. Maybe it was vulnerable. It was vulnerable because she's obviously putting herself out there but it wasn't raw yeah. in any way, shape, or form. And to like, me. is vulnerability? Maybe it's not cancelled out, but is it complicated by making money at the end of something? I feel like they've tried to now make her brand vulnerability. Yeah. And well, yeah. She had a song called "Vulnerable." Oh, yeah, exactly. And so now they're like, this is the way that Selena is now going to be seen, and it's almost like a PR yeah. thing. I, I just, I really can't help but think it's going to be another case of Demi Lovato's documentaries. I agree. But, I mean, I really hope that we just either, I mean, again, I don't know, she seems to be thriving now with Only Murders in the Building and all that shit, like with those two older men that she's really close with. But I'm like, oh, what can we believe? I just hope we see her disappear one day and, like, go and relax. Yeah, I just think this whole celebrity circuit is just so fucked up and they're trying to um, they're trying to make their image look good via these documentaries. Yeah, this documentary made me feel ickier than if they'd shown the actual ins and outs of her psychotic break and what happened in the mental institution. Sorry, it's back to our give your audience some credit thing mm-hmm. and don't package it up for us. Because we can handle seeing the reality of it because that's better for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Luce, what's on your radar this week? I've got nothing. I need to unpack my room. I need to get my house ready to, like, live in. I need to not watch or consume much. So fair. I love that. I've got nothing. Sorry, Ron. (laughs) Well, I have got Michael Chamberlain's painting videos. Emma Chamberlain's dad. I've been binging them. He's really cute. And he goes and does like street painting and it's... We talked about him last week. Oh, did I? Yeah. But that's cute because he's so cute. Yeah, he's so cute. Also, Emma Chamberlain's Hot Ones. Go and watch that, everyone. Oh, true. Haven't seen Hot Ones for a while, so (laughs) that'll be a vibe. And we should say a huge thank you to Prime Video because holy fuck, 
Sorry, working on a Harry Styles rollout is kind of like the perfect collaboration for oh, us. It absolutely is. It's actually, very dream. exciting. Massive thank you to Samuel as well, who was standing in place of producer to the stars, T.I. Have Butler. And he's done a bloody good job. We almost lost the podcast due to a power search. We did, but you know, it's been found and here we are. It's all good. So <laughs> thank you, Samuel. And thank you, Shmave. Thank you, Liz, as always. Bye.